thanks for connecting with our online content at Holy Trinity Church in Richmond. We really hope that what we share with you will be a blessing and will help you to continue to grow in your knowledge and love of God. There's a popular saying among millennials that I'm expecting we'll be able to complete. This one didn't really fly at nine o'clock. Uh, slightly off beam. You only oh, you live your best what? Live your best life when? Now. Live your best life now. Have you heard it before? Yeah, it's out there, isn't it? It's on uh, hashtags, it's on t-shirts, it's on, it's going to say bumper stickers, but nobody really does those anymore. Uh, It's the idea that you've got to shape your world to give you the very best in every situation now. Uh, But it's only one side of the coin into millennial thinking if you want to get an insight into it. The second is YOLO. What does that mean? You only live once. once. Thank you. Isn't it good to have this section of the church (laughs) encouraging us and helping us understand popular culture? YOLO. You only live once. Live for the moment. Pick a life of adventure. Don't worry about consequences. Do what suits you when it suits you. Live with no regrets. In other words, live a selfish, hedonistic existence fueled by your desires. Don't worry about consequences. Don't worry about the future. Only live for now. It's a promotion of thinking that is described as conforming to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance in 1 Peter 1.14. That now is all that matters. It's not what Peter's talking about. Peter wants us to live holy lives. We're going to build on that call this morning to live holy lives because our Heavenly Father is holy, which John unpacked for us so well last week. Peter sets a vision of a better life in front of Christians that he is writing to. They don't have to live for now. He highlights a greater reality than the pain and suffering that they're living through as exiles in the Roman Empire. He wants them to see that because they are God's chosen, they don't just have a life of hardship. They don't just have a life of persecution. They have a glorious new life. We're going to explore that glorious new life this morning and see two ways that following the Lord Jesus, despite the cost that it comes with, gives us a glorious new life. This glorious new life in Christ allows us to love deeply and it allows us to grow up in the Lord. We know where we're going. Why don't we pray? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it helps us to anchor ourselves in history in the world around us. Thank you that it helps us to lift our eyes beyond the here and now and the troubles that we face. We pray this morning that as we open your word and dwell in it for this time, that your Holy Spirit would thoroughly convince us of the glorious new life that we have in Jesus and that you would help us to live it out as we focus on your enduring word. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Peter writes 
and sets a better life in front of Christians who are hurting. He points them to this glorious new life that they have in Jesus. Even though they live as exiles, he is assuring them that God has chosen them for more. He's built up to this idea over this whole chapter. Do you remember that he started and ended his letter with the same declaration? You are special. You are God's chosen people. You've been sanctified. You've been set apart by the Holy Spirit. You've been made holy in yourself by the sprinkling of Jesus' blood. Now, despite all of that, you're living as exiles because you don't fit in this world. Because you're choosing Jesus' way, because you are sold out for him, the Roman world doesn't get you. It is marginalising you, it is hurting you, it is making life difficult for you. Peter's letter was timely and necessary. It wouldn't be long before Christians were paying for their faith in Jesus with their lives. They'd be hauled off to Nero's circus where they were slaughtered by wild animals or by gladiators and fighters as entertainment. They'd be hauled up in Rome and taken to Nero's garden parties where they were set alight as human torches to light the festivities. Life looked grim for Christian people. And so Peter reminds them of the living hope that they have, which Jean shared about a couple of weeks ago. A hope which they would need to keep before them through the suffering and the grief and the trials so that they could continue to work out their salvation. You've got to wonder if what Peter suggests really feels like a glorious new life to these Christians. Like Israel and Judah in the Old Testament, who were carried off to Babylon, where the culture and the religion and the values were hostile to God's chosen people. He talks about these Christians being in exile too. Do you remember he described the church in Rome as living in Babylon? He takes that word from the Old Testament and reuses it at the end of chapter 5 so that they can understand why it's so hard. The new Israel... The chosen people of Jesus that Peter is writing to. These people throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. Modern day Turkey for us. They can identify with the pressures that Israel faced in Babylon. Like the Babylonian culture, the Roman culture is a culture of power and dominance. Christians are weak and powerless. You can understand the temptation that they faced to assimilate in that environment, can't you? They are lonely. They are exiles. They were outsiders. And their wider culture sees their views as immoral. Rome's power structures, the way that society is organised and administered, who gets to speak? Even the architecture of Rome seemed to point to permanence. In the Roman mind, this is an empire that will never fail. It will endure forever. And Christians are weak. They're out of step with Roman thought. They're out of step with the Roman world. Their beliefs and practices are at odds with what good, responsible citizens think and do. Does that sound or feel familiar in 2023? Peter gets it. And so he reminds them that all people are like flowers of the field, verse 24. They're like grass. They're here today and chopped down tomorrow. Even the most powerful ruler, someone like Nero, will wither and fade. But God's word, 
The thing that has given them the imperishable they hope endures forever, verses 23 and 25. Peter understands the pressures of living as exiles and the impact that that can have on Christian communities. So he does two things. He reminds them that the powerful people of this world are perishing. And he calls them to focus on that thing which will never perish. It's a thing that he's used earlier in the chapter, isn't it? Imperishable. Remember chapter 1, verse 18. They were purchased with the imperishable, not with things like gold and silver which perish, but by the blood of Jesus. And now they have an enduring, imperishable life in him. They have rebirth in him. They are born again by their trust in the unfailing word of God. And so in their midst, something should be cultivated and grown and nurtured. They need to pour their efforts and energy into growing among them something beautiful. It's the flower of love. And he talks specifically about family love, about brotherly love for other Christians. Christian people are meant to prioritise the needs of our brothers and sisters in Christ ahead of our own. Sounds a bit like loving your neighbour as yourself, doesn't it? I wonder if you've ever noticed on reality TV shows, uh, I love them. I love to watch things like Survivor. I just watched one about 16 people living in Alaska and they were there for something like 40 days and the snow sets in and it's miserable and awful. They've got to survive. I love shows like that. There's something that happens on those reality TV shows. There is a pattern that emerges that these people who are enduring hard trials together often lash out at the very people who are closest to them, the ones that they're allied with. The same thing happens in workplaces, doesn't it? The people that you work with every day that you spend probably more time with than your actual family lash out at each other. We see it in family groups too, don't we? Where hard lines of division are drawn and we lash out at each other. And sadly we see it in Christian churches. Peter knows that as their circumstances grow more and more difficult and the pressure really comes on these Christians, they will be tempted to fight among themselves. But Jesus' way is a way of unity in love. That should be their Christian distinctive. We see this lack of love in the church today. Where infighting among believers increases as the wider culture around us grows increasingly hostile to our beliefs. When we feel powerless against our adversaries, what we will do is try and influence and exert power over those who are closest to us. The church of God must be different. Unity and love is the result of actively willing to love one another. It's a fruit of the Spirit to love like that, with self-control and kindness and gentleness, pursuing peace. We need to love each other, not in a superficial way, but earnestly, with a deep love of sharing life together and giving up our own for another. We need each other, don't we, church? We need each other to encourage one another, to draw one another on, to speak the goodness of Jesus into each other's lives as we try and stand against the tide of social pressure, which the enemy will use to cause Christians to fall away, to lose hope, 
to turn their back on Jesus because his way just seems too hard. We might not be using the hashtag YOLO or snapping pictures for our Instagram which show us living our best life now. But when we try and exercise power over brothers and sisters in Jesus, we are living out of a core belief that here and now is what matters most. That you only live once. And so even in the church, we will be tempted to push and to prod and to insist on our way over the way for others. Peter shows us what we have got to cast off in chapter 2, verse 1. He's talking about the life of the church. This should sober us. Listen to these words. Cast off malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. When malice takes root in a Christian community, we become fixed and angry and competitive. When deceit and hypocrisy takes root in a Christian community, we scheme and subvert to get our way. When envy takes hold in a Christian community, We despise each other and we become at odds within our Christian family. When slander takes root in a Christian community, we guess at ulterior motives and we assume the worst in others. We gossip about those conclusions to the detriment of the body of Christ and our own souls. There is an antidote, though, which is to love deeply from the heart with eyes which look above the desires and wants and preferences and hurts of here and now. Some of those hurts that we carry will come from the culture around us, and some of those hurts will come from brothers and sisters in Christ. That gives us an opportunity to put into practice this command, to love one another deeply. What would our church look like? if we are a community who love each other deeply like this. Well, we will cross the room and talk to people who are weird and different. We will make space for the newcomer in our midst, including them in our conversations and lives, even when they are awkward and new and unknown to us. We'll assume the best about someone rather than the worst when they get something wrong or when they annoy us or do the wrong thing in our mind. We will hold our tongues when a brother or sister makes a mistake. Whether that's lighting candles in the wrong order or making an error in the pew sheet or skipping a piece of liturgy or hitting a bum note when we sing, we will keep that criticism to ourselves. When these real real examples affect us in the life of our church, how do we respond? Do we cry foul and fuss? Do we gossip and grumble? Or do we choose to focus on the imperishable, Not the things of here and now, but the lasting things, the life and love of Jesus over the fading frustrations of this world here and now. That is the call to the church. The love that we are called to is the love of a Lord who gave his very life for those who rejected his heavenly kingdom. Who rejected his heavenly kingdom because it threatened their fading, perishing, withering earthly power and influence. Church, Peter knows what we are like. He's challenged the way the Christian community relates to each other in times of persecution and stress. And now he shows how we can be holy, how we can live out the glorious new life, the new hope that we have, now that we have purified ourselves by obeying the truth of Jesus.
See, it's not just enough to say stop, don't do that to each other, is it? You can't just say stop. I know, I've seen it with my children. When one is about to thump the other one, I can say stop ten times and they will still hit each other. I hope that's not just my kids. (laughs) Saying stop doesn't affect heart change. Peter could just say stop being influenced by the world. Stop being unkind. Stop being unchristian to each other. It's not enough to just say stop. Stop letting your fears of this world and the prevalence of perishable thinking get to you. Stop letting it warp your responses to each other. It's not enough to say stop. He shows us how we can start to shape ourselves even more in the power of God's Spirit to be people who are purified, who are born again. We have to grow up. We have to grow up in the Lord. He wants us to grow up into our salvation, to pursue it. Yes, we have been saved once and for all by Jesus. And now he wants us to keep moving forward in salvation. Again, like Jean explained to us a couple of weeks ago. And the sense here in the text is that you need to pursue it at full stretch. Strive for it. When we are saved, we don't become passive. We don't float through life waiting for Jesus to take us to heaven. We are to engage every muscle and fibre of our being to grow up into salvation. So how do we do it? Well, Peter tells us how we do it. Followers of Jesus must crave the word, not crave the world. He calls the good news of Jesus... Pure spiritual milk, chapter 2, verse 3. It's a beautiful way to describe God's word, isn't it? As pure spiritual milk. It was that same word, the revelation of the good news of Jesus and his work on the cross, which means that Christians can have this glorious new life. It's the same new life, new birth that Jesus offered to Nicodemus. And that James spoke of as a word of truth which gave us new birth. Do you remember it from James, chapter 1, verse 18? It is the word which endures and which is never going to pass away, which testifies to all that God has done through human history to redeem and rescue his people from the judgment that we deserve. It is the word that Peter has already told them will endure forever in verses 23 and 25 and which was proclaimed to them so that their whole lives were changed, not just then, but into eternity. If we're going to stand firm in the truth of the grace that we have received, if we are going to hold fast to the hope that comes from Jesus, if we're going to be shaped into a holy people, then we have to ravenously pursue the word of God in every part of our lives and look at the beautiful image he gives us. Be like a nursing infant, he says in chapter 2, verse 2. If you've had children, you will remember those long nights of feeding. Do you remember those long nights when there was a growth spurt coming that you didn't know about? And the baby wanted milk all night long, it felt like. 
The growth spurt was coming and the appetite of the baby was insatiable, waking you up every couple of hours, mewling for more and more and more. A friend of mine in Singapore uh, has just got a one-month-old, a beautiful little baby, and he sent me a picture recently. But the first night he got home, he sent me a message the next morning. This is the first night they've brought this beautiful baby home from the hospital. And it said this, four hours sleep. He just wanted to feed and feed and feed. Is this normal? My reply was, sorry, mate, it is. And it's not going to stop. (laughs) Babies are hardwired to seek nourishment, aren't they? And they will kick and scream and wriggle and let you know that they need it now. They need nutrition. Babies are hardwired to seek nourishment. They will shout the house down to get it. And we are meant to be the same. We are meant to be insatiable for the word of God so that we grow up into our salvation. So that this word takes root in our lives and shapes our hearts and our minds and our actions and our love for one another. Do you remember Luke chapter 11 verses 27 and 28? And a woman calls out to Jesus and she says, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. And Jesus responds, blessed rather are those who hear the word and keep it. She's saying these physical things have been a wonderful blessing to your mother. She's given birth to you and she's nursed you. And Jesus said there is a bigger reality to look out for, spiritual rebirth and spiritual food, spiritual nursing. His response is saying, if you think it's a blessing to be my mother, That is nothing compared to being reborn. That is nothing compared to being reborn into the family of God, to have the glorious new life that we're talking about here. That is nothing compared to being nourished to maturity by the words that God has given to us in Scripture. Look at Jesus' priority for his people. Are our priorities in line with Jesus' priorities? Is this heart attitude that he's talking about, our heart attitude, as we come to hear the word read and explained? Do we have that kind of passion as a newborn baby, craving milk, when we think about time reading and inwardly digesting the enduring word of God? Those who have tasted the goodness of the Lord, revealed in scripture, will not be able to get enough of that word. We won't be able to get enough of that sweet taste and that goodness. We'll want Bible-centred church services. We'll want Bible-centred study groups. We'll want Bible-centred songs at the heart of our worship. We'll want Bible-centred outreach ministry happening. We'll want Bible-centred ministry to children and old people and our community. If our priority is the same priority as our Lord Jesus, then we'll desire a Bible-centred vision for our church and we'll want to live Bible-centred lives. If we have tasted new birth and seen the Lord's goodness in forgiving our sin and adopting us and giving us a new family and a hope of a future with a glorious new life, if we truly believe that this life that he gives us is glorious, then we're going to encourage others to taste the same thing too. 
Whenever we talk about our short time living in Indonesia, Amelia almost says to people that we're sharing with, you should go to Salatiga and taste Ibu En's Soto Ayam. It is an amazing dish that she wants you to taste and to share. And then she goes on to talk about this favourite food of hers from Indonesia and the different components that make up this food. She talks about it with a passion. She encourages others to try it and experience it for themselves. At home she talks about how tasty it is because she misses it so much. That is how the Christian exile is meant to feel about the word of God, which has given us new birth a hope and a future, which helps us to reevaluate our priorities and our lives because it tastes good. It is that word, the imperishable, enduring, unfading word of God, which is going to allow us to live in exile with a love for Jesus, which is going to make us a conundrum to the world around us. As we refuse to waste our lives pursuing the imperishable, we are going to be a conundrum to the world around us. As we refuse to strive for the things of this world, we will be a conundrum to the people around us. If we strive instead for the things that will last in Jesus and refuse to bow to the power structures and thoughts of this day, we will be a conundrum to the world around us. When we set aside the YOLO priorities of this world and instead love each other in a radical way, feasting on and sharing the word of God, we will confuse and confound the world and encourage them to taste and see that the Lord is good. We will confuse and confound the world with the glorious new life we live in Jesus. That is a new life which sets us free. That is a new life which allows us to love each other deeply, looking beyond the perishable to the things which will really last. The very word of God, which gives us life and love and all that we need to endure as exiles in this life. Why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise that your word is good. Thank you that it's revealed Jesus to us and that through it we have been saved as we have trusted in him. Lord, we pray that even today you would be helping us to reset our priorities, the priorities of our lives that squash us and cause us to strive for things which are perishable and fading. Lord, would you please help us to set our minds and our hearts and our lives on those things that will never fade. Lord, we pray as well that you would help us to love each other in a way that is radical. As we set aside our wants and desires for here and now, and instead seek desires that are for the future, a future with you. Lord, we pray as well for that thing that we have tasted and seen as good. Would you please help us? to share a love of the same Jesus with others around us, with the same word, so that they too might come to know and love him as their Lord and Saviour. It's in his name and for his glory that we ask it. Amen. 
If you'd like to connect with more of our online content at Holy Trinity in Richmond, you can do that by going to our YouTube page simply by searching for Richmond Anglican Aotearoa. You can also touch base with us online at our website or on Facebook by searching with those same words. Friends, we're so thankful that you've joined us online and that you're enjoying our content. We really do hope and pray that God is blessing you through it. If you've got any feedback, you can touch base with me, zane at richmondparish.nz. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.